Welcome to From Tourist to Local, the podcast where I help you navigate your new life abroad and all the lifestyle changes that come with moving to a new country, leaving behind all the hassle and overwhelm. And who am I? I am your host, Mafe Salazar, a once tourist that became a local in Vancouver, Canada. So join me as I navigate the journey of going from tourist to local while having real and unfiltered conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. And I can't believe that there's only three episodes left of the season if you count this one. So there's this one with Yanni Hall, then the next one, and then the solo one, and then that's it for the rest of the season. And it's been such a fun season to record. But let's talk about our guest today. So Danny Hall is a solo budget backpacker, or she used to be a backpacker, but now she's a digital nomad. Um, she's a podcaster and a freelancer who has been nomadic for almost five years. Like, that is a very long time. Uh, she started her journey with a solo trip to India, and she hasn't stopped since. Well, she started her journey a little bit before that, as you will listen on the episode, but India was the one that she was like, yes, this is it for me. She hosts the podcast while she's away, where she interviews women on their travel experience and expertise in order to help other women live their best lives exploring the world. Danny is currently a freelancer working in content creation and podcast management. So we bonded a little bit um, about that as well. So she has done it all in the name of seeing as much of the world as she can. And she's here to obviously share what she's learned with all of us, which I absolutely love. So in today's episode, we talk about like obviously her travel journey, how she traveled as a backpacker and the transitions that she's had to make now that she's a digital nomad. And one thing that is very important is that she shares her experience as a queer traveler. And without further ado, here it is, Danny Hall from While She's Away. Local, how are you today? I'm great. That feels so fake after everything we were just chatting about. I know, I know. <laughs> no, I'm good. We just we're, had, having a, we're having a busy day, like most people probably are, and but we're yeah. good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because like I always have like a little um like chat before like the actual recording of the episode yeah. and we were talking about like all sorts of things and it's like, yeah, I'm doing amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like, I don't want to lie. I'm also not that type of person to be like, oh, my God, everything's fine. Like, no, yeah. I'm I'm home. You're in home environments and it's it's busy. It's a lot. You have a lot of things on your own plate, plus adding like family responsibilities on top of that. And so mm-hmm. it could just be a lot. It's one of those days where I'm like, I have 26 tabs open in my brain. Um, but 26 seems a little bit yeah. um, <laughs> like low <laughs> for, for me. It's like 157. <laughs> how do you live your life like this I yeah know. i know and then you just get like a random thought you're like oh my god that other thing and then it just opens another tab automatically yeah oh my god it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> but let's get right into the episode um so why don't you tell us about yourself where are you from and especially what ignited your love for traveling Ooh, i never know how to answer like the tell us who you are because i'm like i can give you everything Or I can give you just like, hi, my name's Yanni, but I'll start off slow. Like, (laughs) hi, my name is Yanni. I um, have been a full-time traveler nomadic for the past five years or so now. 
Um, I currently do a mix, like we talked about beforehand, I mix a bunch of different things, but mainly do like freelance podcast production, a bit of UGC content. I'm a contract editor for a podcasting agency. Um, and that's kind of like the different sources of income while I'm traveling full time right now. That wasn't always the case. That's only been within the past year or so. Um, and yeah, I'm from New Jersey in the States and that's that's a little bit about me. I think what ignited because you also asked me what ignited like the passion for travel. Yeah. Um, I think I had always wanted to, but when I was fourteen, my parents we had never traveled a lot. Um to preface I'm Puerto Rican Guatemalan and I'm second generation on my dad's side. Um so he was born in Guatemala and he came here and then I kinda um yeah, I've grown up here. And so we traveled like we traveled a bit, but it I don't know, travel wasn't as much of like a leisure thing. Like we traveled within the states and mm-hmm. didn't always have the money to like be going far, do anything like that. And not until I was 14, I was raised super Christian and I went to a private school and we did um missions trips, which I'm aware are problematic. Don't I get it now. But like at that age, I was just grown up in this environment, was not aware. <laughs> yeah, was not aware. We, um, we don't have to get into religion because yeah. that's like for a whole other podcast. Different <laughs> sector yeah. of life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I had went on a mission trip to Honduras for nine days. And I remember specifically like during that time, we had zero contact with our parents besides like when we arrived and when we were leaving. I don't remember why, but we wow. just, yeah. And that didn't bother me. It just, I was just like so happy to just like be somewhere else and, you know, seeing other things. Cause that was the first time I had been out of the country. And so I remember mm-hmm. like other people being like, Oh, I missed that. Da, da, da. And I was like, just happy to be here. Um, and it was ever since then that I had been like, I think that was the first thing that'd been like, Oh, there's more out there, you know, because of course you're aware. Oh, there's countries, you know, we're not us. Isn't the only one, whatever. But. I'd never been anywhere, so I'd never actually seen any of that. And that kind of sparked it. And since then, I remember through university, I was trying to either study abroad, which was quite expensive. So I wasn't able to do or um, Mm -hmm. doing what was it like the not the army. There's like the Peace Corps. I was going to possibly do like the Peace Corps Mm -hmm. for two years, um, but didn't want to commit to like the two year time span. And was just kind of trial and erroring like all these things, but nothing ever panned out until after I'd graduated university, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. Like I was supposed to get a master's. I was going to study and keep going. I got my degree in psychology. My master's supposed to be in social work. And then I had just decided like, actually, I'm going to save up for a year and backpack for a bit. And that was what I mean when I started five years ago, because I kind of got ready, took that trip. And then that has been like, that was just it. And I was like, okay, this is my life now. We're just doing this. (laughs) So that's been it. And it's just been like that insatiable. I think once you start, you think like, okay, you know, like I've seen here, 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 I'm good. No, I feel like the more you travel, the more you're like, there's more to see and the more you want to see. And so it's just been this constant, like insatiable of, I have to keep going. Yeah, it's addicting. It 100%. is. 100%. Oh, yes. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm like, I sometimes I wish, because I don't, I don't think I could live my life as a digital nomad. Okay. Like, that's a lot of admin work that have to happen. Um, and I admire people that do like you do. But it's for me, like, I need to have like a home base. Like, I can only be away of my house for like, 
a certain amount of time. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I have never experienced it, but yeah. that's what I think. I you know yourself be. well enough to know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I would miss my dog way too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but your first trip five years ago, where was it uh, to? What did you travel so- to? Originally, I was supposed to do South America. Um, an ex-partner and I had been kind of planning something together. And I think it was something that she was going to do because I really wanted to, not really like her passion as well, because I had been like, okay, we're going to save this much money and we're going to go do this. And I had been saving and she wasn't making enough to save, but I had been working like three or four different like odd jobs at that time to just like save some money. Um And I remember like a few months down the line, we like refocus, we re talked about, you know, us leaving. And she was like, well, I haven't really been saving, you know, I need more time. And I was kind of at that point where I was like, okay, am I just going to go by myself or am I going to keep waiting? Because I was feeling, and I think anyone who's like really wanted to travel or does travel knows that feeling where you're like, I just have to go, you know, like I just need to leave. And so that's, that's where I was at. I had never left before. So it was really like feeling that. And then, um, I decided to go by myself. So like we broke up and I was looking on work away for cheap ways to travel. Cause with all the saving I'd done, I'd only been able, I'd only been able to save up about $3,000, um, because I was still paying rent and all these things. And, New Jersey's mm-hmm. expensive. And um, <laughs> so okay. by that time, I was work- like I said, I was on Workaway looking for different places and I found this ashram in India. And it was in the South and it was an all female ashram and it just seemed like really my, my vibe. Um, and I'd done a few calls with the woman who ran it and she was like, okay, awesome. You can come volunteer for a month. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to India. <laughs> so, wow, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that was where I went. <laughs> and that led into it was four months of traveling through like India, Thailand, Vietnam, and Laos for for four months. Oh, that's amazing! What year was that? That was 2019 when I had left. It was like right oh, before wow. the pandemic. So it was yeah, it was like right before the pandemic hit. Actually, when I had come back, um, I wasn't going to come back. I was going to go to Myanmar, but I didn't have that much money left, and. Mm-hmm. I decided I was like, okay, let me just, you know, be responsible and go back. I have like $500. I can't do anything with that. So like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I came back to the States and I think like two weeks later, all the borders closed, everything just like shut down. Wow. So, so it was good that I came back. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and what was your travel journey uh, like in India? Like, well, obviously India, you chose India because of uh, of the work opportunity or like the volunteer yeah. opportunity that they offer you. But what was it like experiencing such, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How is like, especially being, especially cause you hadn't traveled before. Right. Yeah. Um, so how was that for you? I think at that point I had only been to Colombia for like a two week vacation kind of for my birthday. But besides that, I hadn't been anywhere, especially alone. Um, yeah, I hadn't been anywhere by myself. So it was, I tell people all the time that was the best four months of my life. Like that was just nothing I do now can top that. Maybe I don't like as far as I know, because it was that very first one, you know, 
where it was like, I just didn't know what to expect, had no idea. Literally, I like to say that I had like burned my life down and threw myself into this like, all right, let's see what happens. Because I left my relationship, left my apartment, packed up all my stuff and I was just out. Um, So it was it was a lot. I think I did a good job unintentionally by starting in the south. I was in Varkala. And that is definitely a more relaxed, calmer area of India. I wasn't in like New Delhi or Mumbai. That's like thousands of people hustling, bustling, very chaotic. It was a lot more chill. Um, So I found people to be really just lovely, like so kind and so sweet. And there was just lovely beaches and all the other girls at the ashram were so lovely. And so I just felt like I had found like this little oasis in India. And yes, of course, it was culturally different. Like it just food wise look different different norms um but people were so lovely and i i genuinely had an amazing time um while i was there and ended up doing another volunteer right after in a different part of india in goa um taking care of dogs at like this dog shelter and yeah there's like 50 dogs it was right on the beach and i remember i took like a 17 hour train ride from where i was to the other part of india that i think was like the culture shock (laughs) um because i was just scared to get off like you didn't know how long it was going to stop for everything's very disorganized when it comes to transportation so i just didn't know what was happening and i was trying to ask and like they couldn't tell me and i had eventually found i found my train and i was i'd brought a few snacks but i was so scared to get off because i didn't want it to leave without me because i just didn't like there was no like oh we'll be stopping for this much time no none of that um so I had just stayed on for like sev- the 17 hours straight. And of course, there's like family eating full meals in like little Tupperwares and um, just naked babies running around and like they serve food, but it's not in like the packaged way that you would get it here. Um, they're bringing around like tins and like serving people in bowls. And I don't know, it was just, it was, I'd never seen anything like it. And it was just really cool. And just the sights and smells and things of, of India, but definitely extremely different. And I think I kind of crave that now in my travels where it's like, I love that just extreme difference from the U S because it's, I don't know, it's part of like what you travel for, like that just extreme cultural difference. Yeah. To experience extreme cultural shock. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Extreme cultural shock. (laughs) For me, I don't know. I love it because it's No, yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh, well, India is definitely not on my list of countries that I would want to go. Like, I feel that it is a very particular country. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for me, like, maybe this is TMI, but I have like stomach problems, like every time I go away. Uh, so like the food yeah. would be something to consider. Yeah, so yeah. like you're talking about the food and you're a vegetarian, I believe. Yeah, I am. So obviously India was like paradise for you. Heaven absolute heaven (laughs) it was so like so many veggie options and even places like i was in the airport and the subway in the states has like one veggie sandwich that you can get and there's like seven or eight of them and i don't even know what like just different veggie options so everywhere you went there's like different veggie curries and just the sauces and just so many a vegetarian paradise and it's all so inexpensive and affordable mm-hmm. and so like you're getting a whole meal with different curries and rice and naan and all the breads and things for like 
it was like a dollar, maybe two dollars um, for full wow. meals. And it was just delicious, like really, really delicious. So it was a food heaven for me. I never had any issues. Um, surprisingly, I haven't had any issues anywhere that I've gone. Knock on wood. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so but it was it was the food was incredible. I think it was like my favorite part. I feel like I get sick everywhere I go. Doesn't matter where I go. Like oh, I no. always end up getting sick. It's awful. But it's like I don't care. Just give me all the food. <laughs> I'm gonna eat it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, do you feel that you being a vegetarian is a challenging? Because you were in South America recently, right? Yeah. So was it really like really, really, really challenging to be a vegetarian in South America? Yes. Yes and no. I think it depends um, because there are always places like I was in Bogota mm -hmm. in Colombia, for example, and I just searched like Google Maps, you know, vegetarian yeah. or vegan restaurants near me. And I found like a, I was so excited. I found this spot and it's authentic Colombian food, but vegan style. And so there was like a vegan churrasco mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is a thing if you don't know churrasco is like a steak that they do yeah. but it was vegan like a vegan steak and i was just like and it was so good of course it's not the same but i've been vegetarian for like yeah. seven years now so i i'm like this is amazing um so there are places the thing that i find difficult when i was in colombia i was staying with um a friend of mine who's colombian who's been living there for a long time and we were with a bunch of friends they're not vegetarian so of course we're going to go to places that aren't vegetarian and so when you are in those spaces it's harder to find veggie options because if you're going to somewhere that's a normal you know cuisine it's going to be like it's going to be a mainly yeah. meat menu so i had a lot of like rice and beans still of course and platanos and different things but um And sometimes we'll have fish, like occasionally, if there's really like nothing else on the menu that I can get. Um, mm -hmm. But it can be difficult. But I think if you're with yourself or with other veggie travelers, it's not as yeah. hard. It just takes a lot, a little bit more searching and thought put into it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like I remember, like I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian. I, I don't know. I call myself like a flexitarian. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I eat, um, I like, I like meat. I like veggies. Like, obviously I know that meat is not so good for you. Yeah. I still eat it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, like definitely having, or like even finding, um, what's it called? Like milk options. Like yeah. it, it can be very hard. And if you don't, or like, they kind of look at you like weird, like, why are you asking me these things? Like, yeah, it doesn't seem to compute in my brain. <laughs> what do you want? I'm like, <laughs> and, I, and I go up to places, you know, like I've gotten comfortable too. And I think knowing the language in that sense helps where you're like, do you have anything vegetarian or like, is there any way, you know, like being able to ask and because I'm not going to sit down somewhere and then, you know, like, oh, and realize that they don't have anything. Yeah. So you have to kind of be a little bit more assertive in that way, not in a mean way or anything, but like, oh, do you yeah. have anything? Like I was in Mexico and they have nopales tacos, which are incredible mm -hmm. um but it's cactus yeah. and they they sell them like at almost any of the little um little like carts and stuff on the street that you can get food yeah. from they're all over and that was incredible for me because it was just like a built-in veggie option which you don't find everywhere yeah. but not all of them had it so i if we were walking down the street and we wanted to stop for tacos i would have to ask like do you have yeah. and so it just takes like i said that extra effort but you have to like come out of your shell a little bit more to be able to ask 
Do you find that the food um, is one of the most challenging things when you're traveling or other than the food? Like what is the most challenging thing that you encounter when you travel? Mm. Like travel so often. Yeah. Um, I don't really find food to be like a challenging thing. I think that's one of the best parts. It just, it is annoying when you have to put in like that extra effort, but I love finding a veggie place and the food's really good. And it's like a veggie alternative to the authentic cuisine. And so that gets me excited because I can still try the food, um, in a way. But I think for me now as a digital nomad, I think some of the most challenging things is like figuring out that balance between work and travel and not moving too quickly because I get really excited is what I found. And I just want to like hop from country to country (laughs) and I forget that I'm no longer a backpacker because there was several years where I was just saving up money and then I would travel and I would just have a bank account of money to like enjoy on. And I had spent the time already saving, so I didn't have to, like, I could come and go as I wanted or do whatever I wanted. And within the past year or so, realizing, okay, that's no longer my reality. And what does it look like now? What do I need? And so my most recent trip, I was away for like four months, traveling around for four months before I came back home to visit family. I started in Mexico City, and my plan was to do like a month in each place. And so I had done a month in Mexico City, and then I did three weeks in in Medellin, Colombia with my friend. And then I did like two weeks in Brazil and then it like kept decreasing. And then my friend was like, oh, do you want to come to Greece for a week? I'm doing a boat trip. Like it's, you can come for free. And I was like, absolutely. I'll be there. So then I'm like, yeah, (laughs) right. And so then I'm flying from Brazil and my goal was to be in South America, Central America for the next year or so. And then all of a sudden, two months later, I'm on a flight to Portugal to like visit. I'm like, oh, and then I can visit a friend in Germany for a few days before I go to Greece. And within all of that, of course, eventually I get really tired because it's like Mm -hmm. meeting my work demands while also moving. Um, And just moving that quickly by itself is exhausting, but putting work on top of it, I'm just so tired and kind of have to re like re remembering, okay, we can't move this quickly. We need to step back take a deep breath, reprioritize. And I think I know myself better now in terms of like what I can feel the burnout starting to come, the travel burnout Mm -hmm. starting to come. Whereas before I would just like run straight through it until I was done until I was like, I can't do anything for several days. I am tapped out. Whereas now I can kind of start to be like, okay, I noticed myself getting tired. These are kind of like my indicators. We need to adjust. Um, And so I think that's the biggest thing now is just learning how to actually slow down. Yeah. So you made a really interesting um, distinction between, because you were a backpacker before and now you're a digital nomad. Um, And I feel when you're a backpacker, like what you said, like you have a bank account and this is what I'm going to travel with. And then whatever happens, happens. And then if I I don't have money left over, like it's fine because I just get to go home and like do it all over again. Yeah. but how did you decide to switch, like, I guess your travel style from being a backpacker to like yeah. actually becoming uh, a digital nomad? Yeah, I will preface with lately, I have been thinking of doing this TikTok or just like thinking about this in general of talking about how I miss being a backpacker, because mm. <laughs> that was like what I fell in love with to begin with, because that first trip in India, I was just a backpacker. We were on a yeah. budget, we'd saved up money, but I was just going. And I love yeah. I've done several different like volunteer things. And I love doing the volunteer. I love finding the budget accommodations like I that is my jam. I love it. Um, and 
I think the the switch came when like I had done it a few times where I'd backpacked, came home, worked, saved up money, did it again, did it again. And I was like, I'm tired of coming back with a bank account with zero dollars. And I would like to just make this more sustainable where I don't have to come back and work a job that I don't necessarily love every time I need more money. And it had just transitioned to like, okay, what can I do that will allow me to keep going and also do something that I love at the same time? Um, And I had just been working on finding that sweet spot of the two. And that was kind of like the slow transition into, I had been doing my own podcast for a while and really loved fell in love with podcasting just as a medium, creating it, all of the aspects of it and was like, okay, well, this is a, you know, a skill that I've learned for myself and maybe it's something that I can apply to others. And then I had um, a friend like recommend someone to me as a client and be like, oh, he's looking for da da da. Started doing a little, a few things for him and then another friend and then like referrals that way. And it had just kind of started that way. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I can, I can do this as a freelancer. And, um, yeah, that just kind of became like, it kind of happened so organically. And it's funny when people ask me now, like, oh, how do I get started as a freelancer? Or how did you do it? And I'm like, it just, <laughs> I was like, there was, it felt like from one moment to the you next, do. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm doing this now. This is happening, you know? And then of course you become aware and you're like, okay, I'm running a freelance business. Like mm-hmm. I let me, um, if I want to find more clients, let's go on Upwork. Like, let's get like a website together. Let's get like some things in place, you know, that I should have. Um, but it kind of happened organically and, but intentionally. Um, I had wanted, yeah, I had wanted to make the switch, but it just kind of, yeah, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> so now from having a bank account in zero to obviously saving up for whatever it is that you want to do and now being yeah. a digital nomad, um, how do you budget for long-term trips? Because, well, like, if you were a backpacker, um, you obviously have this set amount of money. You go spend yeah. it all, come back, do it all over again. But now you're a digital nomad, so now I'm guessing you're in you're a freelancer. So, like, as a freelancer, like, usually the income varies a lot mm-hmm. month to month. Like, how do you – so, yeah, how do you budget for, like, trips that are long-term? yeah. That's a good question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the last few months, I'll use the last few months as an example. Um, Mm -hmm. I had kind of like, I had three kind of things in the works. Like I had two clients that I was working for and then I was doing um, editing stuff work for the agency um, before I had started traveling. So I knew how much was coming in and I knew how much I kind of had to work with um, on a monthly basis. You know, like I knew consistently I had this long of a contract every month for the next few months, like this will be coming in. While I was in Mexico City, I had kind of wanted to bring on another client because I was letting something else go. Um, and so I brought on another client and I, for the next few months, like knew how much was coming in, which you don't always have with freelancing. So I was really lucky because podcast management, I think is something that's like a consistent month to month. You know, if your client likes you and you're doing a good job, they're not going to go look for someone else to do it the next month when yeah. they're just happy with the service you're providing. Um, yeah. Whereas there's other types of freelance that are more project based that you can do like one or two things and then that's it, you know, and then you're in the game looking for another one. So I am super lucky with that. And so I did know, even as a freelancer, what was coming in every month. 
and kind of just mm-hmm. worked within that budget. And I think there was two things that really contributed to that that made it possible was that I had either was volunteering in a hostel or stayed with a friend. Um, and of course did hostels and like paid accommodations in between then. But like, just because I had a consistent income in doesn't mean I was rolling in the dough. There was just like money that was coming yeah. in every month, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so we were still like, we were still very much a budget traveler and I still to this day, I'm very much a budget traveler, but it's just like with a consistent income instead of a bank yeah. account full of savings. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. And so I think it was, Yes, yeah, still finding budget accommodations. And then I tracked my income. I tracked what I was spending, not my income. I'm not always 100% perfect at it, but I used Travel Spend, um, which is this app, Godsend. Absolutely love it. You can set up like an, a trip that you're taking. You can set up your budget, like how much you want to spend on a daily basis. I just used it to track and saw, see like where my money was going. Um, And the month that I was in Mexico City, I did kind of set up a budget of like, okay, here's how much I would like to spend every day and use it as a gauge. Um, That budget can be a little bit more flexible depending on the country you're in, because sometimes it's, you know, you're making, I'm making like US dollars versus pesos or something. I'm have more money coming in. So I have more flexibility versus when I was in London, that place is expensive. Um, and we were not on the same sort of budget there. So (laughs) you kind of just have to gauge depending on where you are. Um, but I think it was a mixture of those things. Like my freelance work allowed me to know how much was coming in. I kind of worked within those means and I stayed with friends when I could to save the extra money or volunteered. And then I would track on a daily basis, like, um, with a budget tracker, and track my spending. It wasn't always perfect. There were definitely moments where I'd like got to the end of the month and I'm like, okay, when am I getting paid again? And we've got two weeks left and I've got like a hundred dollars and I'm like, okay, cool. Bye. (laughs) It's like, well, (laughs) a little bit out of my savings. And that was a thing too. When I did have the extra income coming in and I wasn't spending as much putting some away because that like extra thousand dollars that I saved when I had the ability to save it helped me out later on when, you know, a client because that did happen when I was in on my way to Florida coming back to the States. Um, one of the clients that I had was like, Hey, um, due to like personal reasons and we worked great together. I absolutely adored her. She was super easygoing, but she had been moving. Um, and just like, didn't have the time to add in the podcast anymore. I was like, we're going to be doing the next two episodes. And then after that, you know, and I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. There goes, there goes next month's income and that'll happen really quickly. And so I had that little extra savings to kind of help me out during, during that time while I'm looking for other work and other things are coming in. And, um, Yeah. yeah, so it's definitely, there's actually a lot of extra thought that goes into it because you're not working a regular job where you just know how much is going to be coming in every paycheck. You have to be a lot more mindful, but those are just the little things that I do that help me. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Like even I, like I don't have fishing together with like my budgeting and everything. And I have like a steady income like, every <laughs> month and it's, you know, <laughs> everyone's different. Yeah. It is hard. It is hard. Especially because it's something that they don't teach you in school or like anywhere really. You just have to like figure out what works for you. Um, totally. and, yeah. Uh, one other question that I had for you was, uh, you said that you're a budget traveler and you like to travel for really cheap. So what are some of the resources that you use like more, 
like more often because yeah. I want to know. And I'm sure like everyone listening wants to know because everyone wants to travel <laughs> for I Jeep especially. Question. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am not your airline hacking points and miles girly. I know nothing of that mm -hmm. realm. That is not my space. Um, so, but that, of course, that's one way that you can do it. And there are people out there to follow. I try to save mostly when it comes to accommodations, because I always find that to be the most expensive thing. And so whatever I can do to save on that. So like I had mentioned, it would be like staying with friends. Um, but also I've done a lot of volunteering, which saves me a lot of money. Now I tried to do it in Mexico city while I was freelancing, It's a little bit trickier because I'm trying to balance the two of like 25 hours a week or 20, 25 hours a week volunteering and then other stuff. But those two, I mean, um, volunteering was one of like the biggest ways that I saved because I think the whole month that I was in Mexico City, I spent $600 like the entire month on oh, just wow. everything like food and living life. And that's because my accommodations was covered. And so I was, like I said, was making a lot more. Um, so I use Workaway and World Packers usually for that. And then one of my biggest ones now that I really enjoy is trusted house sitters or just house sitting in general. It doesn't have to be through trusted house sitters, but that's the one that I use. Um, Interesting. I just did a house sit in Tampa, Florida. When I was visiting a friend, I did two weeks there for free. And then I've done one in Italy, um, Spain, and Portugal. And those helped a lot with the budget and you're taking care of animals or their house usually while they're on vacation, but you get a whole place for free. So I've had like a whole apartment to myself, a whole house with in Portugal. I was in the, um, in the South and they had a huge like yard with a pool and I love animals. So I don't, I'm happy to like take care of dogs. I, that's my jam. So I'm happy to do that in exchange for like being able to stay somewhere for free. So I have this huge, basically I like villa. Um, so yeah, those are usually the biggest things. And then I've done some couch surfing. If you're queer mm -hmm. and want to couch surf and don't feel safe using couch surfing, there's couch, um, which is a great resource. I would definitely look them up. But couch surfing is definitely really helpful as well. Or if you just have friends or know people in different places, um, yeah. there's also resources for that. Like um, Hostess Sister is one. It's a Facebook group. And oh. I've used it a few times where you can just put in like, hey, I'm going to be traveling here for this time. If anyone like is able to host me and see. And then that way you also get to meet someone who's local or living there and knows things and you get to stay somewhere for free. Um, and I think those are the main ways that I kind of save on accommodation. Yeah. And then besides that, of course, I'm not going to like super expensive restaurants. If museums have like a free day, that's when we're going. Um, I do a lot of like street food eating and just cheaper spots. And then if I am staying in hostels, it's like, the 16 bed dorm and it's the, it's the cheap one. So we're, <laughs> um, I, I think I'm slowly starting to get out of that era and like, you know, as more income hopefully comes in, I'm able to like yeah. get a smaller room with like four people or hopefully even a private room in a hostel for a few days. Um, that would be amazing. The luxury, right? <laughs> the luxury of a private yeah. room in a hostel. Um, yeah, but yeah, so those are kind of have been the things that I've done that have really helped me like, keep a keep a tight budget and then also taking like blah blah cars or buses 
rather than like flying places. A lot of like buses or trains or blah, blah cars around Europe I've done where you like pay a small fee and someone who's already driving to where you're going, you just get in the car with them basically. And it's like an app. It's really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you ever, cause like, I feel that whenever I say like, I'm not as adventurous as you are, <laughs> but I love staying in hostels. Like I absolutely love, 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 love it. Yeah. Cause like, especially when I'm traveling solo, cause I get to meet like so many people from different places and they're all like in the same vibe. Like they just want to, uh, walk around the city, get to know the city, like yeah. just experience the city. Um, obviously with different like experiences and everything, but how do you navigate getting in the car with strangers or like staying at like someone else's place? Cause like, that's something yeah. that people have asked me, like, how do you stay with like four other people that you don't know in a room? And I was like, you just do like, it's not as yeah. horrible as you might think it is. Like maybe like the 16 people, like that's norm. People yeah, that's norm. A lot. <laughs> it, it's a lot. Like I remember I said in Mexico city and like, I think it was like a 16 or like a 12 people uh, dorm. And it was like, never again <laughs> four is my maximum yeah. six maybe if i'm like in a pinch but yeah like how do you navigate getting yeah. to interact with like strangers and stuff that's a good question i um or were you ever afraid i guess is my question i don't think so i think i was just like excited like i was just like yeah. oh my god this is so cool when i first started and so that's kind of like now i'm just used to it and so it's not mm -hmm. really something I would say for people who are maybe adjusting women specifically trying an all female dorm, of course, to start if the yeah. hostel, if the hostel offers that opt for that and offers opt for a smaller room, you know, like four. Mm -hmm. if you're in a four, um, my mind just blank, a four bed dorm, some whatever, a yeah. all female four bedroom dorm. There we go. And <laughs> There's like three other women. It's not as intimidating, of course, than being in like a 16 bed dorm. So starting small. And even then, I know it's like, that sounds scary, but do the extra research to like find a hostel that yeah. has curtains on the bed. So you don't have to talk to anyone if you don't want to, you know, mm -hmm. like make sure they have those little things and like pay a little bit more for a nicer hostel um, that yeah. you're going to feel more comfortable in while you're getting accustomed. But I don't think I don't think there's as much pressure as people think. You're like, oh my god, I'm staying in a room with four strangers. Yeah, but they're also staying in a room with four strangers. You know, like yeah, you're not exactly. who's the stranger. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> so you know, yeah. you're and you're all kind of there with the same intention. Like you wouldn't be staying in a four bedroom dorm if you weren't looking to like meet people and make friends. And it's kind of realizing that like we're all in this together. Other people are going to be shy as well, but that's why a lot of hostels have like free drinks happy hour for an hour so many yeah or just like different things like that for you to go up so even if you're just in your hostel you know room and you have the normal conversations of hi where you're from da 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 and then you go up to the you know invite them up to the happy hour and have a have a drink or like oh i found this place around the city do you want to go grab a drink there and it's like they say no they say no i mean you, you're there for how many more days and then you never have to see them again but like the yeah, likelihood exactly. that they'll say no is slim to none and so i think yeah. it's just slowly kind of breaking down that barrier of like i'm not the only one who's new here they also don't know anyone else i'm probably not the only one who's feeling anxious they are as well yeah. and like let me just slowly kind of break down that barrier and then you get used to it and then i look forward to it i'm like oh i wonder who's gonna be in my dorm when i get to the next yeah. place they're like and, and it's not always amazing experiences um 
I don't think I've ever had anything like crazy happen, but of course there's people who are like annoying who are like rustling with plastic bags at 6 a.m. packing. And I'm like, you should have done that last night. Uh, okay. Um, or they turn on the light at 6 a.m. It's like, why? Yeah. yeah. Or they come in super drunk. Like late I get at night. it. Like, yeah. And they're like making a bunch of noise coming in at 3 a.m. because they went out or like, you know, I've been in hostels where people are obnoxious and I get that. And that's annoying. But Another thing about me is like, I'm not high maintenance. I'm a super low maintenance girly. And so like that allows me to kind of like navigate into a lot of these spaces, but that comes with just knowing myself. Like, yeah. And if you know, you're like, I can't do that. That's not for me. Then opt for the private room, you know, then like save a little bit more for this trip and do the things that are going to make you feel more comfortable. Um, But always stay at a hostel because like you just meet great people. (laughs) It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's so much yeah. fun. Yeah, whenever I travel solo, I always look for hostels and all my friends are like, but why? And I'm like, it's so much fun and I'm going by myself. Like, I don't want to be like in a hotel room by myself. Who am like, I talking yes. to? Yeah, exactly. Like the TV, like I don't, like I didn't come here to watch TV. Like I can do that from the comfort of my own home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and that is to say yeah. too that I, and I made a TikTok about this recently of like, you're not always going to make best friends as soon as you arrive. Yeah. Because I don't want to set up that expectation that like, oh my God, you're going to have an amazing time and meet all these people. Because there have been times where I've stayed in hostel and like, of course, you say hi here and there. Um, but like, I, there's no one that I really like clicked with right off the bat. And I did spend a lot more time alone. But that's also something that comes with just like solo travel of like, okay, I'm okay spending this time alone, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like the opportunity to meet really cool people. You don't always. And maybe like that first day you arrive, you're like, oh my God, I didn't meet anyone. But you stay for another two days and then like someone else shows up or, you know, you get out of your shell a little bit and start talking. You're like, oh, you know, actually this person's really cool. So give yourself the space and time to warm up once you do arrive at the hostel and it's not going to be love at first sight, you know? So, yeah. 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 I went to San Francisco last year and then my intention for that trip was just to like be by myself. So I, like, even though I talked to, like, a few people, I was, like, my intention is not to make best friends with everyone or, like, for anyone to join me on my trips because, like, that's not what I was looking for. Yeah. But then, yeah, like, again, it depends on, like, the intention of your trip, what you're looking for, and all that stuff. <laughs> so talking about being a queer, um, I acknowledge that I have privilege as a cis straight female. Yeah. Um, and being a woman is hard enough as it is. Like, I'm part of a minority. Like, I'm Latin and everything. But how is it? How's it like uh, traveling as a queer person? Is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. I have come to love it because I feel like it's exciting. Like there's so much. I love meeting other queer people. Um, I was just recently in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, and I went because I didn't know where to go from Colombia. And I was like, I don't know where to go next. And then I was like, well, it's June. It's Pride Month. There's got to be a pride going on somewhere. And I took my ass right over to Brazil where there was Sao Paulo, where they have like the biggest pride in the world. It's like 5 million people. And I was so excited because the hostel that I stayed in, there was a lot of other queer women. And we had like Mm -hmm. this little group of like queer women going to the different events and all this stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Um, And I think too, like you said, your privilege, I totally recognize my own privilege in that because I present very straight. No one's going to look at me right off the bat and be like, she's gay. No. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so there's a lot of times that I'm able to kind of pass in that sense. And then when I'm in spaces that feel safe, then I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, my ex-girlfriend or we can just close that I'm queer and kind of open up that conversation to meet other queer travelers and have that talk and, you know, feel comfortable. But that's not always something I disclose right away. And um, I, I've like never had any issues with in terms of discrimination or feeling unsafe in that sense. Um, and anytime I have disclosed and I've just been in loving environments and I'm now in November, I know in Buenos Aires, um, pride is in November. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. be there for that. And I think that's part of the beautiful space of being queer is like being able to meet other queer people around the world and get to enjoy, you know, their queer culture and what is like being yeah. part of the LGBTQ community look like here and here and here and celebrating together and just like making queer friends around the world. It's amazing. Um, so awesome. yeah, it's, and that's one of those resources too, like Quouch, um, when I was in Sao Paulo, like before I had made this, the friends that I'd made at the hostel, I had been on there and you can use it to find someone to stay with, but also just like someone who's a local to hang out with. And there were a lot of people on there um, in Sao Paulo and Brazil. And so I had met up with this one girl and we'd went to this one festival. And like, I got to ask questions about like queer culture in Brazil, in Sao Paulo specifically and her experience. And, um, she like recommended places or like I, she ended up meeting the people that I had hung out with from my hostel. We like all hung out together and she brought her friends and we like, you know, and it was not just, it's like where culture, the Brazilian culture met queerness and we got to just enjoy both of those things together. Um, and so I think it's really beautiful. I love, I love being able to experience it. That's not the case for everyone. And I know there's like, yeah, safety is a number is, is a thing. And, that's why I say resources like Quouch are really important because it is a space that is safe or another one is LGBTQ backpackers. It's a Facebook group. Uh, they also have an Instagram, but they have a Facebook group with different WhatsApp groups in different sections of oh, the world. Awesome. Yeah. With other queer people. And so like I was in the one when I was in South America and it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm here. Do you want to meet up? And that way, you know, you're meeting up with other people who are queer. And so it instantly feels like a safe space where you can be yourself and explore the queer culture in that city with other people who, you know, have that same identity. And there's something that's so liberating and freeing about like, yes, of course I meet amazing people all the time, but there's just something of safety that happens when you're meeting someone else who's queer. Um, So I utilize those resources and I just encourage anyone else who is queer to utilize those resources because they're, they're really, really helpful. So other than Crouch and the face LGBTQ um, travelers is backpacker or like, can you share any other resources for queer travelers? There is, I, there is, but I can't think of the name right now. There's, um, there's this website and then I'll give it to you so you can link it in the show notes for, for if people want to find it, but there is a website specifically for safety wise, um, where you can put in like the country that you're going to and it can give you kind of like the actual rules that they have around queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it is criminalized, if you know, all of those things, the severity of their regulations around queerness. Um, and I think that's helpful to kind of gauge, like I'm traveling solo, but if I was traveling with a female partner and we we're together, like that can kind of look differently and you 
don't always want to like present super queer in those spaces. And so just knowing like that, like when you're out in public of things to be mindful of, or maybe you'll like, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go somewhere else where like queerness is more widely accepted. Um, so I'll give you that website so people can go use that to kind of search in more detail. But I think right now the only two others that I really use mainly are Quouch and the LGBTQ backpackers group that are, that are super helpful. Amazing. Yeah. Everything that you have mentioned for resources is going to be linked in the show notes. So be sure to make, to be sure to check those out um, Mm -hmm. for all the resources that Danny has given us. Uh, But yeah, this has been an amazing conversation. I absolutely love talking to you about all things backpacking, digital nomad, and obviously traveling as a queer because um, I don't feel that a lot of people are very open on their experience. Um, Yeah like traveling as queer so this is this is amazing yeah um but yeah where do you usually hang out where can people find you um my favorite places to hang out are instagram and tiktok um so you can come find me there on instagram it's at while she's away pod and on tiktok it's at while she's away only i think and then of course the podcast and season three launches october 17th where I will, I did an interview with Couch, with Quouch and just other queer friends. And so if you are a queer traveler, like that is definitely going to be um, a lot more queer interviews, LGBTQ related travel stuff in that season. Um, but yeah, if you want to come hang out with me there where, and I just talk about a lot of the same stuff of, you know, interview women on their experiences, getting into becoming a digital nomad, budget backpacking and all the things in between. But thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for deciding to spend your time with me. This was amazing. And I feel like it's the first time that I have actually have a queer uh, person in the podcast. So this is great. What I'm a many. honored. <laughs> I'm honored. To be the first. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Diani, and I will see you around. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the From Tours to Local podcast. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it for you, share it on your favorite social media platform and please tag me at Salazar so I can reshare it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And don't forget to follow me on all social media platforms. I love to connect with all of you. I am on Instagram, TikTok, and if you want to support the podcast, check out our Patreon. All of the links can be found in the episode notes. Thank you again for the support and until the next episode.